be reading from Luke chapter 4 in a moment, but before we do, let's take a moment to ask that God's blessing would be upon his word this morning. God and Heavenly Father, we're grateful that your spirit is at work in us when we take joy in the gospel and pray that it may be that way for us today as well as we're reminded of how Jesus Christ has come to fulfill the rest, the Sabbath of Sabbaths, that he could bring jubilee to his people uh, so that they may be enriched, they may be liberated, uh, they may be released, Lord, from chains of darkness and know the recovery of their sight. So bless us, Lord, as we uh, look at your word today, and may we respond both now and forever faith, hope, and love. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And my friends, we're going to be taking a look this morning at Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. I mentioned that over the course last week, about over the course of the next few weeks, I'm going to take some time to look at some different passages with you from the gospel of Luke in chapter 4, chapter 5, and then later on, uh, Lord willing, we'll be going into some passages out of John uh, leading up to Good Friday and Easter. This morning, though, we look at, again, Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 14, and we'll read through to verse 30. And this is what God's Word says there. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your whole hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three, day, three years and six months and the great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were, was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the 
brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. We thank the Lord for his word again this morning. May it indeed be a blessing for us. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, could you imagine, boys and girls, a church service uh, where the members of the church got so mad at the preacher that they would grab him and try to throw him off a cliff. Now, why would they get so mad? Well, it, 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 it wasn't because Jesus said anything bad or said anything wrong. They, they got so mad because they hated to think that, that people weren't like them, that people who weren't like them would be saved. They couldn't believe that that could happen. So because of that, they hated Jesus, even though he was from their own hometown. Their big problem was that they only thought that Jesus was Joseph's son. That was it. And they didn't realize that, that he was also God's son, and that he was a son to Adam, and that he was a son to Abraham, who were fathers of people all over the world. And it's all over the world that people receive the good news, the jubilee news of Jesus in faith. Even today, even here. And that's not something to get mad about. That's something to praise God about. Jesus certainly didn't have to worry about a lukewarm response, did he? To what he had to say during his ministry. You know, it's one thing to preach the truth, but it's uh, another thing entirely to preach it when you know people aren't going to appreciate it. That took courage. Jesus had it, of course. It still takes courage, though. You know, perhaps we know that this story so well, though, that we can forget about what, what courage it took for Jesus to speak as he did. A preacher today may get a talking to by somebody, or uh, people might walk out of a service. Those things happen. Even worse things, of course, where churches are burned down. Dangers are faced because Jesus is proclaimed. Not many that we know, though, could imagine such a response that Christ received, even as a, especially as a hometown prophet. So we want to take a, a moment to look at what Jesus said and the reactions that he received that definitely showed that he was rejected as a prophet by those who knew him best. And the, the first revelation and response has to do especially with Jesus' discussion about the jubilee that he comes to fulfill, the Sabbath of Sabbaths, the rest, the year of the Lord's favor. And the second revelation response has especially to do with the fact that these people did not appreciate on the one hand that he was more than Jacob, uh, Joseph's son, but that there would be others, namely Gentiles, who could rejoice, who could enjoy this jubilee rest of which Jesus said he has come to fulfill. So we're going to take a look first of all at the revelations 
of Jesus with regard to the jubilee uh, fulfillment that he says he's come to bring. Now the background of this situation is one where the men came together in the synagogue every Sabbath for prayer, for Bible reading, and a preaching on scripture. And different men were given the chance to speak in the synagogue, and evidently Jesus of Nazareth, being in Nazareth at the time, was given opportunity because he was of age, but also as we hear in our passage, no doubt people had been hearing about how remarkable his preaching had been in other synagogues in times past as the Spirit was at work in him. So he stands in honor of God's Word and he reads from Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, we see in our text, in a, and it's in an anointed way. As it was when, when he preached in Galilee in the temptation at his baptism, He's equipped, he's empowered to carry on uh, his father's ministry as Messiah, as the Christ. And certainly that's the quotation that we see here as well in our passage at the very outset, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he had anointed Christ. Now in light of that, Jesus quotes that then about the proclamation of Three transformations, or actually four, but the last one is somewhat of a summary of the others. There's what we hear in our passage here of the proclamation of good news, the pro proclamation of liberty, uh, the proclamation of recovering sight to the blind, and the proclamation to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And we just want to touch on all those for just a moment. Uh, every one of those having a physical and spiritual element to them. Jesus was not trying, to, when he says that he has come to proclaim good news to the poor, he's not coming to try to beatify the poor and demonize the rich. He's not trying to make the poor materially wealthy. You, you never see this anywhere in the scriptures with Jesus, that that's what he comes to do. Although those people who think that that's what uh, Christianity is all about today, uh, that is not how Jesus ever acted. People, after all, though, are, are you kind of try to beatify the poor, you've got to realize that people are poor for different reasons. People throw their money away. And Jesus is not coming to them, to them and say, well, if you're irresponsible with your funds, then I'll, I'll take up the slack. Isn't that good news? You can do whatever you want with your money, and don't you worry about it, I'll always give you more. Nevertheless, many people who become poor in Jesus' day and before and still today become poor as those who are God's people, or will be. But they have, they've, they've been stepped on by the world because of their faith. Others in their poverty, because of no fault of their own, need to hear some good news. Right? That life isn't entirely that way, as he had said before uh, to, the, to the, the, the devil, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone. And so people in that condition need to recognize there's more to life than bread. Well, in the days of old Israel, God had said that there should not be poor among God's people. Not if they were, and nor, uh, 
They weren't to be exploited by their fellow covenant people. Deuteronomy 15 speaks about that. And so God had set up a system uh, that culminated and climaxed into what was called the year of Jubilee, which is what we're hearing in this passage from Jesus. The year of the Lord's favor. And the year of Jubilee was supposed to be a time when those who were poor were to receive back their share of the inheritance in the land and be released from slavery. It was to be the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Uh, it was supposed to be rest for these people. It was supposed to be a transformation that took place. And uh, this happened after seven sets of seven years. And interestingly here, now Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath speaking on this subject. But that, that sabbatical principle uh, also came into play at other times in the, in the life of Israel, at least it was supposed to where a Hebrew who had been a slave to another Hebrew for six years was supposed to be released, or any time in between. There was supposed to be this release from servitude. God did not want his people to stay in servitude because the Lord had said, I brought you out of slavery to be my servants. Not so that you become slaves all over again to other humans. That just defeated the purpose. You were enslaved in Egypt. I took you out of there, not so that you'd get enslaved to humans all over again. But no scriptural evidence shows that Jubilee was ever observed. In fact, that's uh, the basis on which the exile occurred partly because the, the, the Israelite area, uh, the Palestine, the Promised Land, needed to have rest because... The Israelites never gave it to them. They never gave rest to the land. They never carried out jubilee. And so it never occurred. Never was never observed. The poor, biblically speaking, oftentimes in the scriptures were, were, were depicted as those who were dependent on the Lord. Poor and needy was often the prayer of God's people in the Psalms. I am poor and needy. Lord, I need your help. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. I need deliverance. I need hope. And as today, they, they needed to know the wealth of God's mercy. That's what they needed to know. They, they were leaning on his everlasting arm. And Jesus says, I've come to proclaim God's kingdom riches of jubilee to such as these. I've come to tell them, as we would read in chapter 6 later, blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit, those who need me and know it, because they will receive the kingdom of God. They'll know the riches of my mercy in their life. They will have their hope in their need. They will, they will know good news. Jesus says that today, that jubilee has been fulfilled, known in Isaiah as the day of salvation or the day of redemption. You know how Loke likes to use the word today, right? Today is born in Bethlehem a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today salvation has come to this house, Zacchaeus. 
Today you will be with me in paradise, says Jesus to the thief on the cross. And even later on, Luke uses that in Acts 13 in the Cornelius story. Today salvation has come to this house. Jubilee had not come before. It had not come before. But it has now. In the person of Jesus Christ. The day of salvation. The day of redemption. And all you have to do is acknowledge it. All you have to do is acknowledge it. Acknowledge that in Jesus Christ. You are rich beyond measure. That in him there is hope and need. Proclaim that to those who for various reasons may not have much physically so that they may know that they are, there is hope for them spiritually. Not just to the poor, but to the enslaved also, right? To proclaim liberty to the captives. Again, from a, a jubilee or a sabbatical standpoint, that would have certainly referred to the enslaved among God's people. But in Christ's coming, Liberation meant more than that. Isaiah 49 touches on that, where it says that the servants of the Lord was coming to free the captives who were in darkness. Again, the verse just before Isaiah 49.9, in verse 8, calls it a day of salvation. In listening to Jesus' words, then, while it's called today, it's a day of light. Today's a day of light. It's a day to rejoice if it's already happened. Otherwise, it is a day to be finding oneself freed from the bondage, the darkness of sin, and the freedom unto righteousness. And as long as it's called today, every day you get up in the morning as a Christian person, a liberating jubilee exists for all those who are in Jesus. That's the way it is. Because he's brought what never had been before. He's fulfilled it. And as nobody else can do so. He mentions the blind having their eyes open. Here again, there, there's something physical about this and something spiritual about that. Jesus did bring sight to the blind. John was concerned. That maybe later on that Jesus wasn't the Christ because, you know, maybe somebody else has to come. You're not doing what I thought you were going to be doing. But Jesus told John's disciples that the blind had received their sight. And if they did, the kingdom of God is among you. It confirmed the word of Jesus, but it was also a picture of the day of days that was coming where all the effects and all the pains and all the consequences of sin would be removed. But there's that spiritual side of things as well, right? Jesus knows the blind are leading the blind in this world. And he has come to provide true leadership. The blind invited to the banquet in chapter 14, 21 in Luke had nothing to give. They were despised among the spiritual elite. But by the grace of the master, they're invited to the banquet. Dealing with the blind in these compassionate ways, physically and spiritually, those things marked Jubilee days. This was Jubilee. Reason for joy. Reason for thanks. If Jesus has opened your eyes to salvation and direction, 
you know to believe. Good news for the impoverished. Release from slavery, sight to the blind. That can be summarized by Jesus' concluding statement of releasing the oppressed. Taken from Isaiah 58.6. Jesus comes to reverse a world in need. To proclaim that day of jubilee that has never occurred before if only people would believe it. And the response to that is mixed to that revelation. That Jesus Christ has come to fulfill jubilee. They were impressed with his gracious words. Who could be against good news and freedom and enlightenment? Enlightenment, but wait a minute. Who are you to claim that? You're just one of us. Aren't you Joseph's son? How could you be the Messiah? How could you be the prophet? You know, they always say, don't they, that, that an expert has to live at least 25 miles away. <laughs> right? You get somebody that's from far away, and that person's the expert. Wow. How far did he come? Oh, he came all the way from New York. Oh, that, he must be somebody special. But we had to drag him all the way from there. Where is he from? Oh, he was from Sioux Center. Oh, that's not far enough. Why is that? Well, it's because familiarity can breed contempt, can't it? And jealousy and, and skepticism. Jesus couldn't be who he is. Uh, we know him too well. Prophets are not accepted in his own country. Well, that shouldn't be a factor, should it? What's important is not where a person's from. It's the value of the message. You know, that's what some of Jesus' early disciples were saying beforehand. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Never mind Nazareth. Think about the message. In Jesus of Nazareth, the value of the message is the same value that it brings to us today. Today, there are riches and freedom and light and sight in him. Jubilee. And only he could give it. And without him, we don't know it. And there's a world out there that doesn't know it. It's a message that those who share his anointing need to continue to proclaim. In the church and outside of it. Because we all need to know and be reminded that there is good news. And jubilee. In Jesus. That's how we need to get up in the morning. And go to bed at night and live our lives throughout the day, remembering that there's good news and jubilee in Jesus. But take a look at this uh, response, right? About are you Joseph's son? Let it, let's carry that into the second revelation and response here. You know, that's the key to Christ's response to his fellow townspeople and their unbelief. Are, are you not Joseph's son? There's something similar here to Satan's temptation. Satan had asked, if you're God's son, then do this or that. Here all the Nazarenes can say is that this is, after all, only Joseph's son. Now, Luke's genealogy is, is really close to, to this passage, right? It's back there in chapter 3. And in that genealogy, Jesus, it says in that genealogy, was supposed, supposedly the son of Joseph. But that was a problem. That's all they think he is. He's the legal son of Joseph. He is the son of Joseph. They probably think he's the son of Joseph by blood. 
Jesus was less to them than what he really was. He was, he was perhaps good enough to wow them as a favorite son. Wow, you know, he's pretty good up there. But that was it. They thought they knew him, but they didn't. He was not the one who was going to enrich them and free them and open their eyes. He wasn't that special that he could bring jubilee. But Jesus points out to them their errors. Jesus was special, and they were and they were not. Jesus was more than Joseph's son. He was Abraham's son. He was Adam's son. He was God's son. That's what Luke 3 was about. He was God's anointed, and just because he would not be received among his own in faith did not mean that he would not be received elsewhere. He would not be received among his own because they thought they were special, and Jesus was not. They were the covenant people, after all. And he's just Joseph's son. But Jesus is going to be received elsewhere among the Gentiles. God would have no problem going to the Gentiles. When Israel was filled with unbelief and self-security like this, because God did this before. He did at least twice in the days of Elijah and the days of Elisha. Israel rejected God, so he goes to these other people in the days of Elijah and Elisha. And that's what Jesus directed his people to do, his disciples to do. Yeah, go to Jerusalem, go to Judea, go to Samaria, and go to the uttermost parts of the world. And Paul did that when the Jews rejected the gospel in Antioch in chapter 13, 46 and 47, which Luke penned. And Gentiles were glad, and they, were, they honored the word we read and all who were appointed to eternal life believed, just like in the days of Elisha and Elijah. God has his people. And there is chosen people, and there is treasured possession, but they are people of faith. And you don't get by in this world and the joys of Jubilee by simply saying, well, I belong to God's covenant people. I was baptized. So what? Well, so, therefore, I don't have to put my trust in the Word of God. I don't have to take joy in Christ's jubilee and see Him as the reason why I have it. Well, if that's our attitude, God's going to go somewhere else. If we treat Jesus less than He deserves, and we aren't devoted to Him, and we don't, we don't take the joy of jubilee seriously, in praise and profession and practice. Christ is going to go elsewhere. Don't worry about it. You don't want him? Somebody else will get him. Nazareth, no doubt, couldn't imagine that their relationship with God was in jeopardy. They had the word. They had, they had the synagogue. They were religious. <laughs> they certainly were passionate. They're going to run him off the, the cliff. Oh yeah, they were passionate. They were of the covenant. But they refused to take Jesus seriously and treated him like a false prophet who was worthy of death, like nothing special. They were special. He was not. They were somebody. He was not. And why do they act like that? Because Jesus told the truth about things. He wasn't just for Israel, but he was for all kinds of people. He was the son of Adam and Abraham who were for all the people. They were the father of 
all believers, no matter where you were from. But what's the response? Violence and hatred, because Jesus speaks about God's mercy, which we need. Because we're not special without him. And that still happens today, of course. Violence and hatred because of the word of Christ. And we do see it in our society. But Christ would not be killed in this way or at this time. He passes through them. He walks right through them. Which in itself proved that he was God's son. He's in charge of the situation. He's under the Father's care as the beloved son of God. But he's not going to be killed this way or at this time. People do kill, kill when they hear the gospel, or they're annoyed, or they're apathetic to it. But then there are those who hear it and, and they, they, they rejoice in it, right? They're, they know what a privilege it is. That it is that when, when unbelief has, has moved the message to them, which is what's happened in this place, right? Somewhere along the line, the message of the gospel came this way. And when it was moved, that message moved to, uh, to us, then there are people who respond in faith by God's mercy to God's mercy of jubilee. And the church is still called to move the message along for all kinds of people. And there's something encouraging about knowing then that in a world of unbelief, unbelief isn't going to stop God's plans of mercy. It moves along. And, and people receive it with joy. They still do. They still do. And we can take joy in knowing that. Not everybody does. But let's take joy in those who do. But that's why Jesus came. Unbelief can't stop us either in proclaiming the good news of, of Christ. God, God's doing that. You know, people may not want the gospel in North America or Europe, but, but many want it in Africa. Right? It's interesting sometimes when you look at that in certain denominations and such and where the people in North America or in Europe and, and they act like the world when it comes to things. And then the people in Africa are going, that's not what the Word of God says. And then they want to say, well, you're just, you know, you're just Africans. You're just backward. You're just primitive. You're unsophisticated. You're barbaric. You'll get enlightened someday. No, 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 no. That's where the mercy of God's going. They're believing they're rejoicing in Jubilee. And we have to rejoice in that. And we continue to pray that the Lord will remove any complacency in Christ's church in the West. And that, that he would pour his grace into the lives of his covenant people today so that they would rejoice in Christ's Jubilee. So, you know, despite the rejection, Christ carries on. He carries on. He is the Christ. He's that prophet who proclaims a jubilee year for his people. And that's because he's more than Joseph's son. He's Abraham's son. He's Adam's son. He's God's son. And for this, we're called to be glad ourselves. We're to be glad. To honor God's word. Because this is what we're called to believe. And we pray that more and more people will share that faith and, and share that joy. 
as the days march on. Because despite what you see out around you, the joy of Christ's jubilee is upon you. And you need to take joy in that. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray, shall we? <coughs> Heavenly Father, we're praying that you'll grant us your blessing upon your word again this morning and that we would enjoy and rejoice in, in what Christ alone has come to accomplish. Transformation, liberation, pointing us, Lord, to the ultimate transformation when Christ returns in the clouds of glory and makes all things new. May we see the newness in our lives, the joy of Christ, not just Joseph's son or even Abraham and Adam's son, but your son who has come to bring liberty to the captives, to bring light and sight to the blind, to bring the riches of the kingdom to God's people in Jubilee. Thank you, Lord, for that Sabbath of Sabbaths. Thank you for that rest that we have in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to